You're listening to the What's Happening in Christmas Lighting podcast with David Henry. He'll be giving you tips, tricks, ideas, news on new gear, but most importantly, help you make a great Christmas light show. Welcome to episode 4 of What's Happening in Christmas Lighting. Today we welcome a new member to the podcast, Crystal. In this episode, David and Crystal will be talking everything power supplies. They'll even briefly touch on pixels, give you some info on new products, and David might even convince Crystal to do her own Christmas light display. Let's dive into today's episode to find out more. Hi friends and welcome to today's show. So today we're kind of starting something new. Uh, if you've subscribed to this show or were listening to it, uh, you got an episode back in September and then you were like, okay, well, that's cool. This is going to be like every other Christmas lighting podcast that's ever existed and it's going to go blank. <laughs> and we're trying not to do that here. And I say we, because I'm joined today by Crystal Lee. Hello. Um, hi, Crystal, who works with us here. And and Crystal's a, a really awesome person who works with us over at LearnStageLighting.com and Learn Christmas Lighting, you know, the two sides of this world that, that we're a part of. And uh, what makes Crystal cool and interesting, among other things, is she used to work for a company that made pixels and pixel control stuff in the stage lighting world, which is not all that far of a hop, jump, and skip than uh, from what we do in the Christmas light world. And so uh, welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you so much. Excited to learn and uh, contribute where I can. Yeah, yeah. And the, the cool thing about Crystal is she's interested. She's got some background technical knowledge and has been around this kind of stuff, but not in the Christmas world. And she's definitely interested and wants to learn more about the Christmas stuff. And so it's like, hey, rather than just listen to my boring voice the whole video or the whole podcast, we can uh, we can get somebody else in here asking some questions, contributing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it should be good. So what are we talking about today? And so today we want to talk about how do you choose a power supply? And we're going to talk about uh, what was new in September or October, which was the Wired Watts P5 uh, UHD kits. And these are these are pretty cool. You know, when it comes down to it, what do you need to make a musical Christmas light show happen? Like, like, how does this stuff work? Because we all know, or or you might be learning as you listen to us, you don't just go to Walmart or, or Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards, if you are one of the glorious people who has been blessed with the Menards in your neighborhood, um, and you don't buy this stuff there. It, it's not on their shelf. And so, you know, sure, nowadays there's things like, especially with Twinkly, that you can buy that offer some animated functionality, but not the ability to make it a musical, animated, synchronized, musical light show. And so one of those pieces that we need is a power supply. Uh, we need to power these lights. And so the first question, I'll throw it at Crystal because I know she knows the answer, is, you know, with regular Christmas lights, you could just plug them into the wall. So why can't you just plug these lights into the wall? You can't plug these lights into the wall because they have little processors on them that like little bitty brains and they need more than just power. They need direction. They need, they need to be assigned a task. They're not just off and on. Indeed. They're not just off and on and they're low voltage. They're DC powered, uh, 
5, 12, or 24 volts sometimes. And uh, what you get out of the wall is not that. <laughs> and so, you know, problems will occur if you stuff the wires into the outlet. Do not do that. <laughs> oh boy. Do not do that. Um, and so when it comes to choosing a power supply, there's a couple things you got to think about. It really is part of the controller discussion as well, which we, we talked about in the last podcast. Um, that'll be in your homework to listen to if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, and so when it comes to power supplies, there's kind of a couple different things. The first is the voltage. So you've got in this hobby, primarily five volt and 12 volt, uh, and uh, you've got 5-volt and 12-volt pixels, and so uh, when we get a power supply, we got to match that up. And if we don't match that up, it's, it's, uh, it is problematic. So you, you bye definitely want to match that up. Yeah, bye-bye pixels. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so your, your hard-earned pixels will, will be fried. Um, you will let the magic smoke out, and uh, you know once the magic smoke comes out, you can't put it back in. That is the thing about magic smoke. <laughs> uh, so, so how do you know? For example, because we talked about pixels before, but I don't think I really brought up the five volt versus twelve volt debate. Um, and and so if your power supply has to match your pixels, um, if they've got to be matched, then how do you choose whether you should go five volt or twelve volt? Well, with my uh, knowledge of pixels, uh, voltage drop and distance usually determine what voltage we're going to use you know which kind of pixel depending on how much how much distance you have to you have to go although you can inject uh that's usually what i look for when i first start is okay how far am i going to try to go can i do it with a five volt product which is generally less expensive yes and that that actually hits the nail on the head when it comes to the christmas light world now I am personally a firm believer and I push hard. I, I generally advise people to go all 12 volt. Um, but that's a good point that five volt pixels are generally less expensive. And one of the reasons why is because there's uh, one less component, which is the resistor or regulator that drops it from 12 volts down to five ish volts um, for the pixel itself. And that extra component, the extra manufacturing and whatever um, makes it cost a little bit more. But the upsides, especially in the Christmas world, is that you can run a lot more pixels and, and send your power a lot more distance uh, on a 12-volt versus a 5-volt. And so that's why for most things, I'm a big fan of 12-volt. I, I say, hey, if you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, should I go 5-volt or 12-volt? Um, just go 12-volt. Um, but be aware that sometimes... Uh, especially if you're doing a lot of matrixes that are really tight um, that have a lot of pixels in a really small area and you don't mind learning about power injection, then five volt pixels can save some money. Some people say they're more reliable um, because they don't have that extra component. You know, if you get them from a reputable seller, I'm not sure that's really the case, um, but you know, maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the five volts are always going to come in a little cheaper. So if you're doing something that's very dense, then it may make sense to look at five volt. I don't, but it might for you. <laughs> uh, and so once you choose voltage, okay, uh, you've got wattage. Okay. Wattage is the next consideration in a power supply. So how many watts of a power supply do we need, Crystal? 
How many watts of a power supply? That depends on how many pixels you're running. Bingo, that depends on how many pixels you're running. So in this hobby, we typically run pixels that are about 0.67 watts. They're usually uh, two thirds of a watt. And most people run them at 50% or lower. So we're talking about 0.3 watts per pixel is a good, a good way to put it. And so when you think about matching up a power supply, really the only rule that there is is that you can't put more on it than it can take. Um, you know, it's like a circuit breaker in your house, right? If it's a 20 amp breaker that can do roughly 2,400 watts, then don't put the microwave, the coffee maker, the dishwasher, and the toaster oven on the same plug. The minimum is that, hey, you have got to not overload that power supply. Um, with electricity, you generally have what's called the 80% rule where you don't want to go more than 80% of the capacity of the power supply. That's a great rule to follow. So now, um, so uh, so that's the first thing is you go, okay, how many pixels am I powering with this thing off and through a controller? How much wattage is that in total when I, when I would run them at full white? Um, I would say if, you know, and this is something that people debate, if you're always going to run all your pixels at 50%, I would say it is fine to do the math for the power supply based on that load of 50%. Other people would say, no, don't ever do that. Um, this is something being that it's portable, uh, you know, at least here in the U.S., being that it's portable and that it's low voltage, um, it doesn't really apply to code like outlets would. Um, and so, you know, you can rate your power supply for 100% intensity. You can rate it for 50% intensity. Of course, if you rate it all for 50% intensity, you can do twice the pixels. But the idea is that you don't want to overload uh, that power supply because when you do... If it's a good power supply, it will simply shut down um, until you uh, get the load within reason. And so and so that's the first thing is just say, okay, I need enough wattage to drive everything I plug into it. Then the next thing is really just kind of some common sense. Like the most common power supply in Christmas lighting is a 350 watt power supply. It's just kind of become the standard. And because of that, you know, I run... 90% of the stuff in my display on 350 watt power supplies, not on a single one, but on many of them. Um, and the reason why is if one would fail, if one would get water damaged, um, it's easy to just have one type of power supply in your show. Um, but anywho, uh, you were about to say, Crystal? I just have a question before we go too far off that topic. Can you talk about headroom? And as someone who is planning my first display, I don't know if I'm going to run them at 50%, at 100%. So I want to plan for maximum. What percentage of headroom should I give the power supplies? Because you don't want to run them right up to that edge. At least that's what I've been told. And that could be a myth. But I always try to leave a little bit of space. So what percentage of space should we be leaving for our headroom? No, yeah, that brings up a great point. So, uh, you know, I stick to the 80% rule um, where you don't want to go more than 80%. So so if we type it out quick, 350 times 0.8 is 280 watts. Um, and that being said, like, you know, that's, that's the common sense of like the 80% kind of comes from if your voltage would drop on your, your input, um, it would suddenly be rated for less uh wattage basically uh because the amperage would raise and uh and that just gives you space for that but ultimately 
even if you load it up to 80% of the capacity with pixels, you're only actually pulling that full 80% load at um, if the thing's at full white. And with Christmas light displays, you're rarely, if ever, at full light for more than a couple seconds on every pixel. It's like never. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of show you think you're going to run. It's a quick on the <laughs> yeah. blast, but that's really it. But more often than not, you think about it, you got three colors, red, green, and blue, and you got all these different pixels. You know, at any given point in the show, you're probably running 30% or less of that max load. Um, and so for that reason, you know, sometimes when I'm designing stuff out for my own display and I go, oh, you know, I'm kind of at that 80% point, I just go, meh, it's fine. I'll put a few more pixels on it, <laughs> you know. Because ultimately, like, you're rarely at that full load. Um, so the next thing is waterproof versus non-waterproof power supplies. That's always an interesting topic. So kind of depends that you're going to see out there waterproof and non-waterproof power supplies. Um, you know, my take on that is it depends on how you're setting up your controllers, what kind of enclosures you're using, etc. Both have their value, obviously, if you have a waterproof enclosure, then you can put a non-waterproof power supply in it, and that's pretty standard. Um, that being said, I keep seeing more and more controllers that use waterproof power supplies, and it is convenient because they can kind of just hang outside of the controller box and just be out there in the elements and be fine all day long. And so I don't have a huge opinion there because I think both are super valid, super uh, reasonable ways to get it done and can totally, totally work. So other than that, there's not really much to choosing a power supply. Get your voltage right. Make sure you got enough watts to make the stuff happen. That's about it. You know, waterproof or not, well, is it going to get wet? You know? <laughs> then you should probably go waterproof. If it's in an enclosure, then of course you can go non-waterproof, et cetera. So in the enclosure, you're going to buy a box that's got an O-ring, but you've got to get your wires out. How much moisture, I guess, can these things really take? Do you need to like buy some caulk and like caulk that hole shut? Or or is one of those little pass-through plastic wire cable uh, pass-throughs with the like little fins, you know, little fingers, is that going to be enough? Mm -hmm. Or do we really need to like, s like caulk that thing shut after we get the wires through? No, yeah, these these controllers and power supplies are, I mean, they're not rated for damp environments, but they do fine. <laughs> um, so uh, just as a history lesson, actually, that's a good point, is in the Christmas light controller world for many years, and even still, um, there was one plastic enclosure that was by far the most popular, and it is the CableGuard CG1500. Now, as of, I think, last year, it got discontinued and maybe there's a new model from a different brand. Basically, it's something that's made for the cable industry, like for the, you know, people that bring cable TV and Internet to your house. Um, and uh, and Maddox Designs has one now, too, that has, you know, the strikingly same dimensions. And those ones are interesting because they are designed to be mounted on the side of a house. So they're designed to be mounted upright. And then the cables just come out the bottom like. Ultimately, there's a ton of holes in the bottom and there's kind of some foam that you can stuff in the holes if you want. But as long as the holes are pointed down and the cable goes out 
down ways, you know, like humidity is going to get in there. It's going to be humid if it's raining, etc. Um, but it's fine. It's just as long as water's not dripping in there onto a non-waterproof power supply, you're, you're going to be good. And what's the cost difference between a power supply in a box versus the same power supply in the waterproof version? Like, is it 10%, 20% higher? Is it, is it, is it worth it, I guess, to go that way as opposed to just building, throwing it in a box? It doesn't seem like it would be for me because the boxes are out there everywhere and they seem relatively cheap. Yeah, so the cable guard type boxes, I think they used to be around $30 shipped more or less. Now I think, depending on if you're get shipping other stuff, they can come in a little cheaper. But yeah, so that's the cost of those. And then the power supplies themselves, like the Meanwell LRS-30, no, the Meanwell LRS-350, sorry, for the 350 watt. And then it's dash 12 or dash 5 for 5 volt or 12 volt. That is by far the most popular model non-waterproof power supply. Um, and it's around a $30 power supply. If you stick with Meanwell, who's a really popular brand, you go waterproof. I mean, yeah, it's probably, I mean, I'm going to guess it's triple the cost. I'm going to Google it. By the way, the cable guard weather resistant enclosure shown here on Wired Watts website is $11.70. Yeah. And like Wired Watts has, it's the RNI 1500 by Multilink, which is, you know, very, very, very similar to the old CG 1500. Um, but in terms of power supply, yeah, you know, if you go with Meanwell, it looks like your cost about doubles to go waterproof. But, you know, when it comes to, I mean, this could be a long dive as to brands of power supplies. Like there's definitely, when it comes to bringing things over from Asia, there are other quality brands besides Meanwell. It's just hard to tell sometimes if the brand is good or not. But a lot of the Christmas light vendors offer waterproof power supplies that are around the same price as these non-waterproof ones. And they seem to work really well for everybody at, you know, again, pretty much the same cost as a Meanwell mm -hmm. 350, which is nice. I had a question about voltages just because we're on this manufacturer's page because of that product we're going to touch on. We were just starting to get 24 volt pixel products um, when I was, you know, like just prior to the, that's the timeline for everything in the world now is the pre the pandemic and <laughs> after the pandemic. Oh, it totally is. Pre yeah. the pandemic, we were starting to get some 24 volt pixel products in our professional grade line. I don't see 24 volt products on the, is that not a voltage that's really in this hobby? I would say it's one that a lot of people would love to see come into this hobby, but it hasn't really made its way in yet. It does increase the, cost considerably just because you're able to go so much further mm, yeah yeah so okay that yeah. was just my question i'm not seeing many 24 volt products and i know that in the permanent install world you know there's several there's i mean that's it's starting to kind of be five volts kind of going out the window and 24 volt products are increasing so it's just something i noticed i don't i don't see any so okay yeah absolutely um and so yeah there is one product like I've got here. Some of the Matos designs has a festoon, like a party light, you know, for your backyard. And there are 24 volt product um, that they have. So it does exist. I would say right now, like when I see it in general from factories and whatnot, it's generally like when you have something that's a different shape, like a larger pixel that has more LEDs in it, 
That's the kind of stuff that's gone 24 volts so far. Um, haven't yet seen the the standard bullet type pixels that we use in this hobby in 24 volt, but like many people, I would love to see them. Then my other soapbox is that, um, and maybe I need to tell some vendors this, <laughs> is that, you know, we all use X-Connect for 5 volt and 12 volt pixels, the, the plug, which is kind of problematic because if you have a display with both 5 volt and 12 volt, then they're using the same plug and you could accidentally fry pixels pretty easily. And so I would love to see like a new plug or a variation so that you couldn't cross plug uh, different voltages together. That would make me really happy. Like right now, just for everybody's reference, you can get the Ray Wu type connector and the X connect. And those are the two most popular connectors. And I tell people, hey, if you're doing a show that's mixed, that has five volt and 12 volt, then uh, whichever one you have less of, buy those in the Ray Wu connector and buy the others in the X connect so that your voltages are different plugs. Oh, that's hard. because then you're not going to accidentally cross plug stuff, right? Yeah. Because in quote the real world, right, in plugging things into walls, if something works at regular wall power, 120 volt, then it has a different plug as per code than something that plugs into 208 or 240 volt power. Those plugs can't plug into each other's outlets <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> um, but in the very unregulated, somewhat hobbyist world, you know, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> I really like that idea of using the different plugs because as someone who's blown up many pixels in the permanent world as we were developing product and learning to work with them, you know, back in the beta stages of the product line that uh, my former employer made, um, we blew them up. We blew them up learning to solder them. We blew them up learning to power them. We, I mean, we just blew them up. We had a whole box of stuff that was just, just fried. Yeah. So some of that made it to me. Yeah. 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 You know, so um, having that approach, you think you're ah hogwash. I'm never going to make that mistake. I always check my pixels before I plug them in. It will happen. Let me just tell you that. Oh, I'll do. I've done it. Yeah. yeah everyone, you get rolling, you get flying a down, you know, around your yard or around your projects, and it's going to happen. So that is a really great suggestion there. And I will say that I don't know what the cost difference of the connectors probably can't be much, or you know, the the pain of maybe ordering two different products instead of one. But you will thank your lucky stars the first time you go to plug it in and it doesn't fit because it's the wrong voltage that you didn't blow up. You know, David always tells me, think of it as a dollar per pixel. You didn't just blow up 50 bucks worth <laughs> of pixels or 150 bucks worth of pixels, you know. So that's a great suggestion. I really like that. I'm writing that down for my purchases. Writer downer. But ultimately, I generally tell people everywhere in our courses, whatever, if you can keep it to one voltage, just do it because it just makes your life easier. But yeah, there's no cost difference between the different plugs. Um, it's just that you would then have to have two different types of extensions, you know, et cetera. Not a huge deal. Honestly, until this year, I had two types of plugs in my show anyways, even though it was all one voltage due to history, timeline, uh, different plugs and different vendors. And so it had happened. And this year I finally cut them all off and changed them. But yeah, um, that's that. All right, so I just sent you a link as well. So these are kind of interesting, kind of a new interesting thing um, that I honestly just, I just hadn't thought of before. And then it came up as a new product and I was like, huh, that's an interesting thing to share with people. So 
you're familiar with uh, Boscoyo Studios, right? Mm-hmm. The people with the the push in, you know, Coro props for putting your lights in. And then they they work together with Wired Watts to make it so that you can take these uh, P5 panels or P10 and stick them right in the middle of an existing uh, corrugated prop. So if you look at the link I just sent on the chat, it, it makes it so that you can make like a higher res talking light bulb, or you can take like a stocking and turn it into a sign that tells people where to tune in, what radio frequency to, to tune into. And I just thought they were kind of cool. And so, yeah, for, for those who might not be familiar, uh, P5 panel is, is Crystal uh, would be aware too, is basically an LED wall, like a jumbotron piece, basically. And in the Christmas light hobby, people buy all the bare parts in different pieces. And in fact, we did a, a video this past year with your pixel store with Miner, and we we put one together as a collaboration with him. Uh, but these are kind of cool and unique and different because you can get everything in this little kit from Wired Watts to then stick into this Boscoyo prop and just have something that looks a little different does a little more than uh, what you had before. So if I go to Boscoyo, if you look at the blue light bulb with me, for 60 yeah. bucks, oh, I, I see it can be blue, green, or red. So for 60 bucks, you're buying the blue light bulb. So just yeah. the plastic part. And then I go to Wired Watts and I buy the little tiny LED screen as one piece, or I buy the pieces to make it. Well, that's what's cool is the the Wired Watts UHD P5 insert uh, for Coral Props with Beagle Bone. That product is is like a kit. So it takes, you know, what is um, a bunch of stuff that's not outdoor rated, like the front of the P panel is, but all the components in the back are. And they they made this cool piece of plastic that goes with it that allows you to stick it all together, shove it in inside your uh, your snowman or your your light bulb have it all be waterproof and uh, you know, it's everything you need basically to make this thing work. Okay. So tell me where on wired Watts I find this kit panel kit. Oh, I just, okay. I just found it. So the UHD P5 insert for Coro props, no computer or with beagle bone. So beagle bone is a controller. Yeah. A little microcomputer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for an extra hundred bucks, you get the controller too. So this UD UHD P5 insert is just the mouth, right? Or is that the mouth and the eyes if you turn it up and down vertical? Well, that's an interesting one. That's a good question, actually. So you would need two of those to do I think you would need two to do the eyes, yeah. Okay. Now you have light bulbs. Do you feel I like do have this light bulbs. is a good enough upgrade for the different cost like have you seen do they have any videos or anything or you've seen these p5s have been around like is it enough of a upgrade as opposed to or is it a program or does it make it easier to program because now it's high resolution and it's video as opposed to is it video is it a video signal or is it still a hundred pixels or whatever so it it will end up getting a pixel signal, but you can use video files in X lights to send to it. The line always blurs, right? But um, ultimately, I think with the faces, it gives you the ability to do like higher res mouth and eyes to make it, you know, seem more realistic. 
Um, but with the other ones, you know, it's kind of cool that you could have it, you know, read your tune to, you know, in what frequency at different times or whatever message you wanted to say. So we got a reindeer, we got a penguin, we got a stocking, we got the good old light bulb, which I love, little C7. So if anyone's listening to this podcast that's from South Texas, uh, Gallison County area, and you do this kind of stuff, hit hit us up and let me know because I see all these amazing videos, but I haven't, I don't know that there's anybody in my area doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's sad. We got to get somebody or else you'll be the place. I know. Cars will be lined up for miles. You'll never be able to get into your house. You'll wait in traffic. I took my pictures yesterday of the front of my house and I live in a cottage, uh, folks. It's nothing. It's not big. It's just me and myself and I, um, because I'm going through David's video series right now, trying to get a jump start because I know how important it is to, to start early, or at least I'm learning this. And I was thinking to myself, dang, if I ever get more than one person who wants to watch this show at one time, <laughs> first of all, I have to park my car somewhere else because I don't have a garage attached to my house. And if I park in my parking spot, I'm going to block a chunk of the house with my car. So I was thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, dang, okay, I'm going to have to like pay my neighbors to park in their driveway or something, you know? And, and you know, you might be surprised because um, I think somebody asked me recently, do your neighbors hate you? Um, and it turns out at both houses, all the neighbors absolutely love it. Um, and so I think that's a misconception <laughs> where the uh, the neighbors really don't don't hate it. Um, I mean, some people I've seen online, sometimes people have Scrooges in their neighborhood, but for the vast majority, uh, people, people absolutely love it (laughs) and love being next to the Christmas lighthouse. I did some design work way back in the day, 2000, well, not too far, but 2011, I believe I did some just kind of brainstorming storyboarding for a Christmas light company. And that person used to, that person was very, very established in their career and they would send their neighbor on a seven day vacation, all expenses paid (laughs) because that person was a Scrooge. So that was the deal that they came up with. I'll send you away while all the craziness is happening on my property because the install for that show was took about three months. Yeah, it was a big house. <laughs> so yeah. that's the craziest story that I've heard of of a Scrooge. And, you know, once you tell them you're sending them on an all expense paid vacation, they don't have much to say after that. No, they that, that probably makes them less Scrooge like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, do more shows. No worries. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. I think we give them something to think about. And I'm going to keep looking through this store. Some cool stuff over here between all these uh, manufacturers. Oh, man, there's so many good things at all the places. Yeah. So if you're listening, thank you so much for listening. We promised to put out a new podcast before. Let's see. We did lasted late September. So, so it's been about five months. So we will be back before May. We promise you that. Um, until then, thank you guys so much for listening, for learning with us here at Learn Christmas Lighting. And if you do happen to need pixels, if you happen to need uh, anything in the hobby, really, check us out over at the LearnChristmasLightingStore.com. That is LearnChristmasLightingStore.com or just LearnChristmasLighting.com. Uh, lots of good resources there for y'all. Thanks so much for listening today, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the What's Happening in Christmas Lighting podcast with David Henry. If you are interested in our Domino Beam or any other Christmas lighting equipment, please visit our Christmas lighting store at store.learnchristmaslighting.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please listen to our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Don't forget to grab our free guide to begin with Christmas lighting on learnchristmaslighting.com. Learn Christmas lighting, helping you bring the fun back in Christmas lighting.